In this episode, I interviewed Dr. Alex Earle, who is the founder of Midwest Rehabilitation Institute, as well as running his own highly successful cash-based rehab practice. Uh, I met Alex through a mentorship group that we were both students in, and his entrepreneurial journey, I think, is, is remarkable. It's something that I'm so fascinated in because I never did anything like anything that he did. He actually started his his business, Midwest Rehabilitation Institute, while still in school. He saw a need for coursework for rehab-based classes. Uh, he found someone that could teach that, and he was the organizer. And at this point, um, he now, again, runs two highly successful practices. What I want everyone here to listen to is that entrepreneurial spirit. One of the problems, I think, in our profession as chiropractors is our degrees are very binary. We Most of us just can work in private practice. And what we find here with Alex is he's just done a remarkable job at creating what everyone dreams about, multiple streams of income. So pay attention to him. He's a, he's a rock star. He's become a friend of mine who he and I meet often, but there's so much gold in this episode. And as I said to him after, I don't even think he recognizes half of the gold nuggets that he produces when he speaks. So it's an outstanding episode and I can't wait for you to listen. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Business School for the Rehab Chiropractor. Class is officially in session. My name is Justin Rabinowitz, and I am a rehab chiropractor on a mission to teach you, a fellow rehab chiropractor, the exact tools and systems I've used to build my own successful rehab chiropractic practice so you can do the same. I hope you enjoy, and please subscribe. All right, we've got Alex Earl on today. How are you, dude? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So um, you, before we start, what I wanted to say was one of the things that I'm very conscious of for myself when I first started my in-person practice was the people that helped me in the beginning the most. And you were one of the first people that put me from a consulting business on your podcast, which then found people found me through. And so that's something that I appreciate very, very much and something I'll never forget. And it's something that I always try to hold on to because my program, I think, is going to become pretty big, I hope. But I'll never forget the people that helped me in the beginning. So thank you for that. Well, I think I think it's it's definitely mutually beneficial, right? Like I'm I'm in the camp of we all have either staff and or patients that we want to work with and we want it to expand and multiply. So that's why I kind of got into chiropractic education as well, because I can only treat as many people in a day, but if there's people that you can help and then it kind of works its way outward from there. Right. I think that that's, that's leveling up the chiropractic profession. And that's also creating more fulfilling work rather than operating within a business, you know, it's more big picture, more, more strategic. I like to refer to it as legacy work. And so absolutely someone, someone like-minded like you, hardworking, um, extremely knowledgeable, want to help other business owners succeed and not just, not just succeed with clinical outcomes, but also thrive and have a thriving business. Absolutely. I, I, we would want to help you. So yeah, I appreciate the acknowledgement and it was a, it was one of our highest listened to uh, episodes. So it, like I said, it's very mutual when, when we had Jan, I think a lot of people resonated with your message, the problems that they deal with in clinical practice and then coming out and starting a business. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. And, and I appreciate the acknowledgement. Absolutely. So let's take a step back. Just tell the audience for those that don't know a little bit about yourself and then we'll get speci- into specifics. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm a um, 2015 grad from actually just 
a few days ago, uh, my seven year in practice anniversary. Um, and, uh, yeah, so college athlete, soccer player, still, still an avid, avid, uh, uh recreational player. And, uh, um, but, uh, was in and out of a lot of physical therapy, uh, offices, a lot of chiropractic offices as an athlete, um, met, was mentored by some incredible chiropractors in the Chicagoland area and decided that like, I wanted to be a doctor. And, uh, I also came from a very like holistic and natural family where we didn't always race to go get pain pills. And very rarely did anyone in my family like need any medical intervention. We're very health conscious when we, you know, within financial reasons, but it just came from like my family was very natural and healthy. And then I wanted to be a doctor and it was, it was just this, like this collision, uh, where an injury or two put me into some chiropractic offices. And I thought this is, this is, there's something here. Uh, and so I was really interested in it and then, uh, just kind of followed that passion, not really knowing where it was going to go. And, uh, and as I mentioned, I'm, I'm from the Chicagoland area and there just so happens to be a, a, like an evidence-based chiropractic school there. So really I picked national only, only by location because <laughs> it was 15 minutes away from me. Um, and I don't regret it. I really am grateful for the education that I got at national and I made some incredible professional, you know, network uh, and connections at national. And that's ultimately where, uh, my first business actually was launched when I was still a student there. And then when I came out of school, I opened up a practice in 2015 and I've uh, been working with some local teams and local organizations. And yeah, so we're, we're, uh, we're pretty excited about where the last seven years have, have gone, but also where the next, you know, seven plus years are, are going for us. So. Great. Let's dive into the thing you mentioned about the first business and the reason why a lot of reasons why I want to talk about this selfishly, you know, I, you know, I'm teaching chiropractic business at this point, but I didn't do what you did, right? My thing was I got a job as an associate, as an employee, and then I opened up a brick and mortar private practice. And then 10 years later, now I've become sort of a business owner, entrepreneur. You, on the other hand, had a much more entrepreneurial spirit than I did. I mean, you created something while still in school, which, um, which I think is remarkable. And, and like I said, before we started the, just make sure I have the name. It's Midwest. Tell me the official name. Yeah, Midwest Rehabilitation Institute. So Midwest Rehabilitation Midwest Rehabilitation Institute is a legitimate business operation. It's not like you're making five bucks on the weekend. I mean, this is a real business that you created. So take me back to when you were in school about this and how it came about, and then I'm sure I'll have questions. Yeah. So I mean, I appreciate the opportunity to share because I don't I don't share a lot of the background. You know, usually when I'm on either the stage or when we have our class. It's always like, oh, this is this is Alex from from Midwest, and but like I rarely dive a little deeper into the background, and so I appreciate the the. Uh... I think it's important though, and one of the reasons why I want people listening is one of the problems I think with our profession as Kairos is that it feels very one track, mm-hmm. and that you have to open up a private practice, and that's the only way that you can be successful. 
And, you know, a couple weeks ago, I had Jasmine Brown and, and Travis Rogers on. And Jasmine right now, she teaches anatomy at a, at a college. And, and, I, and I think potentially going forward, there are other opportunities that, okay, you still have the private practice, which we'll talk about, but what other ways can we potentially use our expertise and our degree to create, to create a business for ourselves and, and to, you know, to help, you know, better the profession and do all of that. So uh, I, I think it'll help open up the eyes and, the, and a loop for people in their brain of they don't just have to go and hang up a shingle uh, and, and start a practice. There is more to it. So yeah, let's, let's dive into that. Yeah, that's right. And, and I had, I should back up, you know, a step on my own here and say that when I went to chiropractic school, I had a, like a gentleman's agreement with one of my mentors that I would go work in his office as soon as I graduated and be an associate. And, um, and then that was before Cairo school. Then during Cairo school, I started working for two and a half years at another office. And so he just needed kind of, uh, you know, a, a, not necessarily CA type work, but just like a rehab technician or rehab uh, assistant. And that was really of interest to me because I wanted to be like the functional rehab guy in our area. So I wanted to learn, learn something in our rehab class at school and then go to this office a couple of times during the week and then utilize it, implement it. Uh, see the flaws or see the benefits of it with a live patient rather than just reading about it in a textbook. And so um, rehab became a, a, not just a passion, but a, a genuine curiosity for me. And so it, it was in that functional rehab class that um, I started looking into advanced studying. And there's not really any residencies outside of maybe neurology and radiology for, uh, for chiropractors. So I looked into the rehab diplomate back in 20, probably mid 2013. And there was not one uh, active rehab program going on education wise that fulfilled the diplomate. And so I would have had to go to Seattle for a couple classes, then Dallas for just one class. And I, it was, it was hodgepodge. And, you know, I'm, I'm a, a student at the time and that, that was just not sustainable for me and my wife to swing a couple grand for me to travel and then take all these classes um, so I, I approached my rehab professor and I said, he had the diplomate, uh, he, had, he currently has the diplomate as well. And I said, Hey, well, how do I get this diplomate? It was purely, my intentions were fi to find out what did he do? What path did he take? And it, him and I just kept talking about it. And it was, he knew, he knew the courses that had to be taught. He knew the accreditation that it had to go through. He knew that he, he or someone similar with the diplomate status had to teach it. And I, I kind of looked at him and said, well, what would this look like if you taught it? And he's like, well, we, we'd have to map out 150 hours, 45 spine, 45 extremity, you know, and 48 elective courses. And then so we kind of mapped out all of the requirements to 150 hours. And, uh, and I said, well, okay, would you teach it? If I got people to come to the classes, would you teach it? And he's like, oh, yeah, for sure. So he helped me get the information and we packaged this rehab diplomate 150 hours, I mean, hour by hour course outline. We did all the, all the paperwork, all the legwork. And then he went and present, not presented it, but then he went and got it approved and accredited. And then I went to my classmates and I said, okay, there's going to be a shoulder class coming up. There's going to be, you know, whatever class, you know, cause we had one weekend course a month covering the whole body um, for the entire year of 2014. And so by the end of the year, from January to December, we, we achieved our 150 hours, which made us eligible to, to continue on. But it was after like the fourth class 
that, you know, we got about 15 people for the first class and then 18 for the next one and then 21. And then by the fourth class, there was close to 30 people that had just kind of fell into our events. And, you know, his name is Tom Selecki and he was the instructor for the first year of this kind of program that didn't have a name. We just called it the rehab series. And, uh, and he pulled me aside and was like, I think we're onto something here. I think there's a lot of interest in rehab. And I think that if you can continually getting, if you can continue to get people into our courses, I'll keep teaching them. So we kind of had this wonderful one, two punch where we would often say, you know, it's Alex's job to get people in the seats and it's Selecki's job to keep them there. And so we had this wonderful relationship and, and wonderful mentorship. And uh, so we went through that whole year of 2014 and we had a ton of people come to our courses. I think his post-surgical spine rehabilitation class, we had over 50 people there. Um, and so then we incorporated the business that the very next January, in January of 2015, when I was uh, in ninth trimester. So when this all started, I was in uh, Tri-5. So I was only halfway, uh, maybe beginning of Tri-5 or, or early Tri-6. I can't actually recall, but but I was a student and this kind of opportunity came in my mind. And then uh, Selecki kind of saw the potential within this business and we ran with it. So when it started, did like obviously it started as you just like why most good ideas start selfishly that you wanted the coursework, which is a great thing. Like, right. And then you, then in order to actually make it happen, you needed to get other people involved uh, with it to be able to take the course. Did you, I'm just putting myself in that situation. I would have said like, ah, I probably would have at that time, I would have stopped there and said, all right, like I either don't have the time or I'm not going to put the work in, or I don't know, I'm not confident I can get people to come to the course. Like, where did that come from for you to actually think this guy will teach it and I just have to get people to show up and I can actually figure that out? How did that, how did that come about? Yeah, it, it, I think maybe it's, I, I don't know how to explain it, but our, our trimester of students, we had about 60 or 70 that started with, with my group. And, uh, and there was a, a very heavy rehab focus, uh, a lot of the sports rehab on campus, the sports rehab club, it just exploded, uh, with our class that came in. So there's a, there's a lot of people that were interested and then it kind of, it kind of, I mean, I hate to say that trickled down, but it just kind of worked its way out. So our class became really well-respected even in, in the community and also on campus for, for like, just like, these are the guys and girls that are really interested in rehab and they're the ones that, that you're going to want to learn from. I mean, we had people that were in, in student clinic that would come back to sports rehab club and go, you know, okay, okay talk to us about this part of the shoulder talk about this. And so we actually started to get, and this is not just me, but this was other, other, um, you know, sports rehab reps and stuff. They had, they had the influence and then they would come to the class and I would just say, Hey, if you want to learn more, like the guy that's teaching functional rehab classes is putting on a class next weekend and it's going over everything you need to know about the shoulder. Also, I think his credibility uh, really went a long way. I mean, he's the team chiropractor still for Northwestern University, uh, well, not the chiropractic Northwestern, but the division one Northwestern. And, and he's fully integrated as a team physician there and he's doing this functional rehab. He's been doing it for, for probably over 20 years now. So he, he has, he has the professional credibility. So then um, people were drawn to the way that he teaches, the way that he thinks. And so that, that really helped. Like I said, I would market him and teach and say all the things that he wanted, you know, the message to be, and that people could, could resonate with the message of, yeah, I don't really know if somebody comes in with a shoulder pain, 
I don't really know how my functional exam for the shoulder would look like. I know what an orthopedic exam would look like, but what does this kind of look like from a functional exam? Right. And so we would just, we would just dive into, a, you know, every region we just thoroughly explored and people loved it. I love it. Yeah. Let's, let's pull out some of the business lessons that, you know, most people are, that are listening are just going to listen to the story and say, that's really cool. But there's so many business lessons right. in there that we should distract out of it. The first one, um, when, when I asked you about setting up the course, you said, well, we had our try had a ton of people that were interested in this. And the, the lesson that I always talk about is, I think it's like a, I wasn't a marketing major, but apparently when you go to college, one of the classic lessons they teach in marketing is the professor at the front of the room goes up there and says, you're going to start a hot dog stand tomorrow. What's the number one thing that you need to be successful? And people raise their hand and say, I need a, the cart and I need a, the good hot dogs. I need this and I need that. And the answer is hungry, hungry customers. That's right. right. And so what you just said there was the number one thing is almost, it was almost easy because you had hungry customers. You had people that wanted this thing. And so you didn't have to work very hard because they were already there. You just had to provide the thing for them. And so that was already built in. The next thing that you mentioned that was important was almost a little bit of, you know, 2022, we would call that like influencer marketing, mm-hmm. right? In that you had somebody where if Alex was teaching the course at that point, people wouldn't have shown up because they don't, they don't, Alex isn't an expert. But what you said was the guy that you were with, he had an expertise. He had some clout because of his experience, because of where he was able to work, that it allowed more credibility that it wasn't actually, you didn't have to sell very hard because it was like, he's here, he's the guy. And there was a little bit of nuance in how you presented it and things of that nature, but you have hungry customers and then you have an expert that people want to be able to sit down with that, that it's easier to create butts and seats. And, you know, I think in our, in our private practice where someone listening might be able to take the lesson from that is, you know, how do you get in front of the people that, that need your product? You know, what's your equivalent of a, of a hungry customer? And then the other part of it too, is who do you have to get on, on your side? Who's got to be on your team that people are going to look at and say, oh, like he's doing it or he goes there. I have to go there too. I, I laugh around this area where in New Jersey, you ask anyone, oh, what doctor did you go to? Oh, I went to, it's like literally, I went to the OBGYN. He delivers all the New York Giants wives' kids. It's like like everyone, every doctor in this area had something of the Jets, the Giants, the Devils, the whatever. The uh, and it's like that clout of where they don't realize actually that for the Jets, everyone at Atlantic Health, like Atlantic Health, pays to do that. It doesn't mean they're any good. It just is that clout. Right. But but there was a level of clout in your situation. The guy was affiliated with Northwestern, and this so people wanted to go, and so. Let me, let me fast forward and ask you this. At what point did you actually say, like, hold on, this is like an actual business, not just Alex wants to get this diplomate? Yeah, that's a really good question because Selecki came to me, like I said, after the fourth class, and he was like, we have a business. And I thought, well, I just want these classes for free. I want the information. So to your point, it wasn't until that post-surgical class where, you know, I, I get up there, I have announcements on certain things. And so I, I, I just became... Um, the liaison. I, I, I became the liaison. Like I responded to all the emails. I was in charge of the website. Like I did all the behind the scenes work so that I could just figuratively speaking, like lift him up so that as soon as he walked on the stage, like people were just chomping at the bit to hear what he had to say. So, so there was a lot of calls like here I am. Oh, and by the way, I should say doctors, local doctors started 
going to the same diplomate website and then seeing that we were up there as an approved provider. So then they would, they'd look at the classes and then call me to ask me about the class. So here I am like a, a fielding calls with local docs or, or even like, you know, doctors in all parts of the U S in between my classes, you know, or in between patients and student clinic, I'm calling these doctors back to talk about a weekend course we have coming up. And uh, so I got a little glimpse of sales skills just trying to convince people to take these classes. And I, you know, my dad always told me that I should go in sales. So I, I joked, I became a chiropractor and, and it's basically, you know, just the same thing, but in healthcare and, and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm okay with that, you know, in the first couple of years, it would have been tough to say that I enjoy sales in my practice, but I've always enjoyed this, like, dancing or this like uh i don't know jujitsu that that that, uh selling someone over the phone for an educational event i've always found fascinating um and i started that when i was in school just kind of speaking to these people and and learning what it what their goals were because i had the same goal you know so i could resonate with what they were saying and then i could provide that solution for them which is well you got to come here so like you talk about the shoulder um and it also helps that then we backed it up so everybody that's gone through our program, with the exception of one person, everyone that went through the rehab diplomate program passed the exams. And now they're myself included. Now we're all rehab diplomates. So, I mean, it's one thing if you have a hungry market or you have a hungry audience, but your product sucks. So if we didn't actually get people to pass, we would have, you know, the market would have just been like, okay, these guys don't actually, don't actually, or can't deliver it. They might talk a good game, but they're not actually delivering. It's a, it's a great point. And it sounds so basic and, and it is, but I bring people back to that. I tell people in my mastermind program, they'll ask, Oh, what do you get with this? What do I get? What do I like? What are all the features of it? And I, I tell I'm like, listen, here's what it is, but you have to understand something. The only way that my business grows is if you get results. So the answer to your question of what do I get is whatever it takes for you to be successful. When I'd say I'll literally fly out, like I literally do that. I will fly out to help you. If you don't do the work, okay, we might not be successful, which is a problem. Some people just don't show up and don't do the thing. Right. But if you need to get on the phone with my marketer, if you need to get on the phone with my sales team, if you need me to spend time with you, if you whatever you need, like that's what's going to happen. And again, it's because the only way that this thing works is if people get results. And so in your world too, you're right. All the things could be fine, but if no one passes the test at the end, it's completely irrelevant. So the results have to be there as well. And that's, that's any business. Yeah. So I've really had these two businesses going, uh, one, obviously, as we mentioned a couple of times, one was when I was a student, the other was the clinic. And so I've had this, this opportunity to focus on both businesses, but I can't, I can't own, operate and work inside of both hundred percent at each, yeah, at a given moment. Right. So I have to like focus on one and then the other. And so when, when one does really well, it's not uncommon for the other to kind of just teeter-totter back. And so, which has been a blessing and a curse, if you kind of look at it, because I, I, I see the effort and the, the dollar signs, you know, like business does have a score and it's the dollar signs in your checking account. And um, so what's fascinating to me is when, when Midwest education is booming, I've noticed mistakes that I've made in the past has been to like almost get complacent with it. And rather than like doubling down on marketing or doubling down on my, my speaking engagements or doubling down on it to keep the thing going, I almost like stop 
and then switch over to the clinic and go, okay, now we got to lift this up. And I just keep going back and forth before, actually before COVID. And so then when COVID hit and all of our live events went to nothing, I took that to completely revamp our education side while at the same time rendering a lot of the useless components of our clinic and just getting rid of it. And then the things that were often expensive or I didn't want to invest into, I doubled down on. So instead of going back and forth with it, I then was trying to slowly incrementally raise both businesses, um, which I'd never done before. But I also think that in two or three years time, both businesses are going to be in way different positions than this teeter-tottering back and forth like I've done for five years. Let's go. So you, so you, create the program while you're still in school. So obviously you don't have a private practice. Right. Right. Not so that, Not at that, that point. So that business at that point was decently established. Like it was, it was doing okay. Yeah. When I think I, I try to keep track of our data, I think in the first year we made like just under 70,000 and, yep. uh, and that was, we didn't have a business yet. So it was, he had to take it all, all on his personal uh, income yeah, statements. Yeah, yeah. So then in, in year two, it went up to like, you know, 150,000. And then we went up to, we, we very, right before COVID, we were doing well over 300,000 in annual right. revenue. Right. And so, so, and then you got out of school and I know you basically opened up your own shop pretty like right away. You didn't work for anyone and you were doing both at the same time. Right. And um, going into that, did you have any thoughts of like, how the hell am I going to do both of these? Or it's like, you didn't know what you didn't know. No, I didn't. Um, I, I enjoyed the seminars so, so much. Um, yeah. And, but I also looked at the weekly calendar and, and it was okay. I'm flying, I'm flying somewhere or I'm driving somewhere Thursday night or Friday. And then it's all day, Saturday, all day, Sunday. So I'm just supposed to turn around and wake up Monday morning and go see patients at 8am. So I started taking off Mondays and then I realized, well, Friday is basically a travel day. So Friday and Monday became my weekends where, you know, at the time we had, with, uh, two kids. Yeah. We had two kids and, uh, and, and I like my wife, like she's a good friend of mine. And so I enjoy spending time with her and hanging out with her. And, and I realized like, I, this is not sustainable. I can't, I can't be gone seven days in a row, two or three times a month. And that's how frequent our seminars were on average, two and a half times a month. We we're having a live seminar. So then I just chopped off right away. And I, I, as soon as I started to apply for jobs, I thought, well, I'll go to the, you know, the guy that I had a gentleman's agreement with, and I'll see if I can navigate and negotiate to only work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, like in the hope that I could, I could get a salary from him and then go off on the weekends and do, do what I really wanted to do, which was, the seminars and, uh, and continue to learn and, and be that liaison. And I mean, every, there was about four or five offices I talked to in the Chicagoland area and they all pretty much laughed at me and they're like, you, we are not going to hire you for just Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I was adamant, like I made a promise and a commitment to my wife that I would carve out two days a week. And I thought that that would be Friday and Monday. So I was not forced, but I, I then had to have the realization that if I can't work at another clinic, I'm going to have to open up my own. And if that's the case, I'm only going to work on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to see patients and then shut down the clinic Friday, leave somewhere or go home and have a four, four day weekend. Um, and that has, that has been the case since the doors were opened. We, for seven years, right around yeah six and a half years, we've only seen patients on Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday. 
Okay, so let's talk about that because there's I I spoke to one of my clients yesterday about it. Have you seen you lose patience because you're not open Mondays and Fridays? Has your business suffered? Um, I, I would, that's a really good question. That, that's almost like trying to prove a counterfactual. I've never I've never had a conversation with someone and said, "Do you like? Would you have come in if I was open on Fridays? You know, or right. or Mondays?" I, so. When they ask for appointments on, especially Saturdays, like for some reason, there's a lot of questions for, for Saturdays and I've never seen a patient on a Saturday. Right. Um, so I think, no, like I've never had any pushback. Like we just kind of, we've so always just works. said from the beginning, just, Hey, we're open Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all day, does mornings or afternoons work. And, and some of that is in, in our office, it's, it's how the front desk handles the inbound uh, conversation, the inbound call. If they ask, why does Dr. Earl not see patients on Friday, Saturday or, or, or Monday, even um, in the beginning, I was kind of like, I don't, I don't want them to just go, well, he's gone because he's, you know, he's putting on a seminar and I didn't, I didn't want it to be like, I'm just fleeing from the office all the time to go to a seminar. And then we've kind of, we've been working through for years now, like how to actually say like, Oh, we just don't. And so now it's just like, Oh, like we're not open rather than giving a reason or an excuse. It's just, no, we're not open. Yeah. And I'll say one out of every 10 patients that actually want to know why we don't see, you know, see patients on our schedule on Friday, Saturday, or Monday. Um, then if they ask, then we kind of unload it on them and go, well, actually most of the time it's because we close our clinic down for postgraduate education for, you know, local chiros, local PTs that come in, strength coaches come in. And then we kind of put it back on them. And we're like, do you know a lot of the chiropractors in our area come into our office for their continuing learning? And th- then they kind of step back and like, yeah, like it's true. Like a lot of chiros, a lot of PTs make their way to our office to learn. So we, we just close our clinic down and we convert over to an education entity. And we, we talk on different clinical uh, clinical considerations for shoulder Achilles tendinopathy and you know, whatever it is, you know? So, so then we kind of put it back on them to say, so it's not like he's just treating you because he's good at it. He's also teaching other people on how to treat this thing that you're also, you know, complaining about. So that, that also builds up the authority because we're out there teaching other providers in our area, which then makes the patient in front of us value what we do in our office more than the Saturday availability of an appointment. It's like, okay, do I want someone that's really good or do I want the convenience of a Saturday appointment? And right there, they have that subconscious, um, you know, comparison. And then they go, well, yeah, we'll, we'll take Tuesday at 5 PM. I'll just come after work. I don't usually do that, but I'll do that. Yeah, I get it. I, uh, so I wrote down three things that I want to, that I want to hit on as you talk. The first thing is discipline. Right. And, and not in the discipline that actually people think I'm going to talk about people when they think discipline, that means work all hours of the night and work on a Saturday and work on a Sunday. But your discipline actually from the very beginning was in not working on those days and seeing patients those days. And that skill, as you know, as you've grown your business comes up a hundred, hundreds of times in that the discipline later in the practice, as you grow, it becomes in not seeing the next patient. So you can go and do the thing that has to happen. Again, as I have different people in my program at different levels, the the discipline for a lot of them, once their clinic gets busy, is to be able to step back. 
and having the discipline that no matter what, they're not going to go back in for 40 hours a week, even if Mr. Smith only wants to see Dr. Dr. Alex or whatever the case may be. And that is a level of discipline and we don't think of it like that. And so, and the reason why I bring that up is because for the, the chiros out there that are getting started or have gotten started, they think that when they get going, they've got to be available all the time because it's a scarcity mindset that if I'm not, then people aren't going to come and see me. And they lack the discipline to understand that, that that's a story that they're telling themselves. And in that situation, what happens most of the time, as you know, is if you start that way, you stay that way. Right, just like when you started that way of not being open Mondays and Fridays, you stayed that way. Mm-hmm. I I fight in theory with my clients all the time. I'm like, listen, we've got to be disciplined to block ourselves out. Give me a half day a week, right? Because I'll see so many. So in my program, on average, most of the people there are are seeing one hour appointments. They're working, they're working twenty to twenty six hours a week, and they're available forty. And so you know what that looks like, right? So on a Tuesday, they're seeing someone at eight, someone at nine, someone at 11, someone at one, someone at three, someone at five, someone at seven, and that entire day is shot. And they weren't working the whole day because, you know, you and I both know it's, uh, I would say it's a Cal Newport uh, deep work thing. There's, it's an impossibility that like that hour in between of those two patients, you're going to go and do something that to work on the business. It's just not going to happen. The only way to do it is to have the discipline to block yourself out for Thursday morning from nine to 12 that like you have a date with yourself to go and do marketing, things of that nature. Now, again, Dan Kennedy 101, like he used to coach chiropractors and it was like Thursdays, you are not seeing patients. Like you are going to go and build the business. But it, and it sounds so easy, right? When you're in school, it's like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I can do that. And then you've got one of your best paying insurance patients that wants to come Thursday at two. And all of a sudden, guess what happens? Three weeks later, we got patients two, three, five, six. And all of a sudden that day went away. And it really is a discipline to be able to do it, which you, which you obviously have. And, and, and I think people need to pay attention to the next thing, um, that you talked about was, uh, we, we mentioned a little bit, the scarcity, right? That scarcity mindset that it's very easy when you're starting to think that I'll only do this for a little while, right? But you didn't have that mindset in that there were open these three days and that's how um, and that's how this is going to work. And maybe it's because you had the other entity. Maybe it's because you had another thing really that you could justify not being there those days. But again, the people out there, there's a lesson in, that, in understanding that, in, in understanding what that looks like. The problem that we have in, in business is that... Um, is that we get paid for the treatment that we do. And so to justify the four hours that we're blocking out to do the marketing that we're not going to get paid for for six to nine months, it doesn't feel gratifying. And that goes back to that mindset of the scarcity and the discipline. And then the last thing from what you just talked about was how you change the messaging of why you're not open, right? So it's, you know, our mentor, Paul 101, change the meaning, change the outcome. Right, you change the meaning of them from being like, unfortunately, we're closed on the weekend because Alex wants to be with his family, which could be true. To actually, we close because we co- we we train and mentor other chiropractors in the area, Mrs. Smith. So, if you want to go to where the trainers and the coaches learn to learn, you should come to see us. It's for them, not to them. That's right, right. And and again, that's marketing and sales one hundred and one. So all I even- that. 
Even when you're giving that, that short recap there, I even cringed a little bit when you said the word, unfortunately, like, unfortunately we're closed or unfortunately we don't see, because I made, I made, I'm going to call that a mistake because I, 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 I so can resonate with the patient's perspective of hearing back at them. Hey, how come you don't see patients or, or can I get a, a Saturday at 10? And your response to that is, unfortunately, we don't see patients on Saturday. Like I've checked out the moment you even start saying, unfortunately, I know the answer is no. Like I, I can't stand the unfortunately. It's almost like, uh, like I'm going to try to be really nice to you. Um, but at the same time, like we're not budging, you know, it, it's kind of, like, dare I even say it? It's a bit arrogant to respond. Words matter. The words matter. That's right. Um, like, yeah, I kind of just mentioned it, but it's like, we know we're not going to budge on our end but we're going to present it kind of like nice. Like we're going to be like, we're hospitable. So unfortunately we don't see patients on Saturday. Oh, I cringed a little bit when I heard you say that. Right. Very good. No, it's, this is, this is excellent. So let's, let's go for the, you know, the big sort of final topic that I think I want to pick your brain on is something you mentioned a little bit. Um, the focus and so I, I want to hear your thoughts on that. You know, the shiny object syndrome, seeing squirrels, that whole conversation where just to kind of bring you, and you know this, right? Cause you see, you know, the same people I do get into practice and they they open up in a gym. They're there for six months. It's going pretty well. They get patients on the schedule and then another gym calls and they want the same thing. And so they go open up a second location. And so shiny object syndrome, and they never did the thing in the first one. And then two years, two years into it, they wonder why both practices are mediocre. Uh, and, and it's a folk. And, and I was guilty of this twice. Um, so I know this game. The, the other one you'll see often is especially in the rehab Cairo space is they build the practice. It's doing pretty good. They're making a living and then they want to go and build the, an online business, right? Focus. Right. They, they, they just lack the, I think lack the focus, but you, right. Are in a position where you have a thriving private practice that you have, you know, that you still operate and run and remotely now at this point. Um, but it's still your thing. You're, you're doing that and you have a whole other business, which now you run, you know, solely by yourself. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you manage that. Like, the, the struggles that you have to give to give people out there who are interested in kind of doing a bunch of different things and how you might go about, you know, if you could do it over again, how would you coach yourself or what pitfalls where you might run into? Well, there's no easy way to answer this, but other than I think just like the truth. And I think that that's what your, what your listeners are going to hopefully take away from this, which is, and I so appreciate you mentioning that you're guilty of it twice, right? Because shiny object syndrome is 100% a flaw of mine, right? And 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 if I look back on and, and I'm an avid journaler or at least writer, I try to write for every day. I try to write two or three sentences about the day just to recap. And, and that way I can look back, you know, um, where I was a year ago to date on certain things. And, and, and this is, this is, relevant to the conversation, but I'll start off with a quote, which was by Michael Hyatt that said one of my favorite quotes from him, which is no one ever drifts to a place worth going to. And whenever I found myself aimlessly wandering in business, of course, anything that I see that's shiny, I'm going to go after it. And that becomes my target or that becomes my goal. 
But then when I get there, that's not actually what's fulfilling, right? And so for me on the business side of business A, which would be Midwest, I, I get like super excited when I see experienced docs in practice or students that take our classes and they're open to our ideas, our, our message and our treatment ideas from, for the functional rehab provider, right? Like I just taught dry needling to a sold out class in Milwaukee, Wisconsin this past weekend. And the longest served, I always ask everybody when the class starts, what's your name? Where are you from? What do you hope to get out of the class? And how long have you been in practice? And, and we had a guy in, in the class that was approaching his 50 years in practice. And a couple of people kind of turned and looked at him. And yet when it was all said and done, he was one of the best students of the weekend because he was there for the right reasons, which were his patients. And when I talk about freedom from the standpoint of being a business owner, he, he 100% emulates what true freedom is because he could have retired a long time ago. He, had a, he has a very successful practice. He can come and go as he pleases. He can treat whoever he wants to. He can take whatever class he wants to. He can travel wherever he wants to. And yet he, he chose to come to the class to learn this, this new technique that they're allowed to do in Wisconsin now and participate. It wasn't like he just sat there in the seat. And that, that really motivated me because then there's students in the class that see this guy. And I mean, people really respected him because he, he had this you know, experience and he has the history. But anyway, so that's kind of part one. Um, the other part of it is when I look back on the areas where I was super disciplined, you know, getting up at four, reading, writing, applying all these things, like you mentioned earlier, Justin, those things didn't bear fruit for six or nine months. And the shiny object syndrome is, well, I tried it once and it didn't work. So therefore I'm going to move on. I tried Google ads. It didn't work. I tried Facebook ads. It didn't work. I tried, you know, insert whatever, um, you know, I tried a technique. I tried to, I tried dry needling. It didn't work with a patient. So it's not that, I need you to double down. It's also that I think we're, we're, we're short fused when it comes to strategies that we don't give them enough time. And, and you and I talked about this on the episode that, that you came on for us, which is I've seen the pendulum swing from severely over-treating our patients to now severely under-treating them where we're, we're under-utilizing our rehab skills because we're only focusing on pain, which is funny because on the education side, we, we teach that the focus shouldn't just be on pain and that pain shouldn't just be the guide. And so we have this like back and forth all the time. And it's almost impossible now for me to, to um, teach a CEU course and not try to share the experiences of business in our practice. So I don't know if that answers your question at all, but it's... I mean, do you, do you find... Let's put it... Let me ask you this. Go ahead. If, if you didn't have the education company do you think your private practice would be significantly bigger? Yeah, I do. I do. And vice versa. Yep. And so like, is there an argument to say if you, if, and and I think this is where, like, this is where it's interesting, right? Because if I told you today that you could do one business and it was going to do more money than the two combined, would you do it? Well, that's a loaded question. I, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. Would I know anything about this other business, or did no, just? No, be, I'm saying so. Yeah. If you just picked one of these two, and it went, and you just went into it all in, and it was going to do better financially than the two combined, would you just would you sign up for that? I still am gonna gonna answer with I don't know because I I'm not 
I'm not in it for not in it for just the revenue or just the money side of it. Right. Yeah, if it, that, it, that was the answer I was hoping you would say, because there's yeah. another piece of it, right? I think it keeps, I think you like the idea of having, I think you like having both and you're passionate about both. And that's, a, that's important. The problem that I think some people have is they want to build the online business, not because they want to be in an online business, because they want to create more money. Right. And I, and I, that was, I was hoping you would say that because I was expecting that to be the answer because for you genuinely, like, I think I knowing you, I know that you like doing the teaching and, and meeting all these people and, and mentally, I think it's probably good to have the practice and good to have this other, other thing that you're doing. And that's that the ROI on that is invaluable. But again, the decision-making process is not just about the money, right? Building the second practice and location for most people is because they think it's going to grow their business. And that's right. why they do it. Not right. because they're passionate about John Smith's gym down the street. It's a very big difference because again, in the question that I just posed to you, if you came to me as a business coach and I said that same question, then I would say you should keep doing it because it isn't just about the money, but recognize that there might be something you're giving up potentially, maybe, maybe not. However, if if a client comes to me and says, I want to open location two, but, and I know that they don't have any sales process and sales system, they have no team and they have all these different things and they're doing it because it's a good opportunity to build the business, I would say, actually, it's a good, it's a good opportunity to distract yourself. Right. And I, not I, build a I've seen business. it. I've seen it where, to your point, like they don't have the systems in place. It's all instinct. And instinct might work for them in one practice, but how do you... And this is one area that I've struggled with kind of just mentoring and teaching our associates. And we at chiropractic interns that come in um, and they, they want to get all of this knowledge like out of my head and then for business and also for clinical uh, considerations. And they want to get it all out and, and, and out there and they want to learn from me. But at the same time, it's, um, it's a good way to distract. And, and I think the, the, to your point, the notion, it, I think it's human behavior for me to go, okay, I make 250000 from clinic one. If I double it, if I get a second clinic, then I'm at then I'm at 500K. And if I have four clinics, then I'm at a million. And I think we think in sequential terms like that without really truly understanding what it took for us to get to 250000 is going to be very different than what it takes for us to get to 500000 Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a really, and again, no one talks about this stuff. No one knows. Right, which is why I ended up with three, like two to three locations when I before I ever built the business the way it should be. You know, just I can't remember if I've done a podcast. I was going, I don't remember, but I can't even keep it straight at this point. But one of the podcasts that I wanted to talk about is that idea of if you want to build the business, you got to build the business. You know, not just go to random places and treat patients. Because eventually you'll get stuck. And, and at this point for me, I still have gyms approach me. And one of the things that they say, would you build a practice here? And the answer is always the only way I'll do it is if I have a, a one doctor that that's the only place they're going to be. I will not have one person going to two places because when I, when they're in clinic A, they're good. They should be marketing clinic B. When they're at clinic B, they should be marketing in clinic A. And if you're in two locations, it's not going to happen. Right. The other part of that too um, is is the idea of I think there's something to be said for like where you get stuck. Your brain will immediately find a reason to get out of it and not actually fix the problem, and that becomes a focus bottleneck. Right. In other words, a lot of times you'll get going in a gym, and after a, you know twelve to eighteen months, 
the gym will stop referring clients and you feel like it's slow. And you're right, it is slow. And so you think the solution, because it's you're stuck, is to go and find another gym to open it. And the reality is what you have to do is to stay in the first one and go through the shit, so to speak, to go and build the business the way it's supposed to go and kind of stick with it. Um, you know, and, and I think that's what it often it takes in the business, but going back to the skill set, right? The idea of discipline and focus to be able to do that. Um, I guess for me, talk, talk about, you know, last thing before I let you, before I wanted to let you go, um, what lessons for you do you carry over? You know, we say business is business, but you're in wildly different businesses. One's a national business. One is one is essentially business to business. It's it's Kairos to Kairos. Another one is a local business, which is business to consumer. Give me two to three lessons that it like in where you would say business doesn't matter. These are this is important, whatever business it is. Well, I would say principle number one would be um, for either business, business to business or business to consumer, would be getting getting better every year at marketing for me has been a challenge. Uh, it's been something that I've wanted to just like be, it was a, a marketing for me was like a deterrent word. I didn't want to market. I wanted the product, whether it was the class or my patient outcomes, I wanted the marketing to be the product that, that we could. And unfortunately what we know now is that marketing just means like someone's raising their hand saying I'm interested. Well, that means both businesses both businesses would be 100% reliant on word of mouth, which we, we kind of got into the market for both by just doing word of mouth. And unfortunately, if we want to really grow it and scale it to where we, we see the potential, marketing has to become like my number one skill set to, to develop over the next three, five, and 10 years. Um, so that's number one. Number two would be, I, I don't really care what other people think. And that's kind of for both for both businesses. Um, when I'm teaching and people are telling me about their business setup, like they almost always dismiss that, that they can't do what I'm doing. And so I'm like, well, if you think that way, you're right. You know, like I can't, I, I can't help you, you know? And so someone this, this past weekend was charging $40 an appointment. And to me, I'm like, are you any good? And his answer was, well, yeah, I'm, I'm really good. And I'm like, well, then how could you say that you're, you're really good and charge so little? And he does it because he thinks he's being strategic into his market. And so, like, I don't really care what, what patients think of me. I don't care what, um, what other attendees think of me. But seven years ago, I cared very much about, about what everyone thought of me. And I think a lot of that comes from just, like, maturing uh, and, and also realizing that, like, my identity is not in the patient outcome that I can deliver or in the class experience that I can have. And so um, that's kind of like principle number two is just, I'm not in both businesses to please everyone. And I understand that like our classes are not for everyone. And also, you know, this, if you're, if you're coming into a, if you just type into Google and you're a patient with low back pain, you have no idea if you're going to end up at a straight chiropractic office or a rehab oriented Cairo or an upper cervical only, you know, like we're all chiropractors. And so we do a discovery call where we just try to find out like, is functional rehab something that you're open to? And if you just want to get adjusted, well, then we're not a good fit for you. And I used to care 
like I was doing this person a disservice by not bringing them in. And now it's like, no, no, there's, there's five other clinics within a mile of us that can, can serve every need of you. And I, and I refer them out and I say, you know, best of luck where again, seven years ago, I'd have been like, man, I got, I got a wife, I got kids, I got to support. I need this patient. So now I don't, I don't really try to please everyone. And that gives me the peace of mind to sleep at night, knowing that the people that we are taking on the customers from both businesses, like we, we go a hundred percent all out to try to fulfill on the promises that we give them. Good. Excellent. Those are, those are fantastic. Um, so before we wrap up, obviously my audience here are rehab Kairos. And so they uh, obviously could benefit from your your Midwest, your company, and it's interesting, right? Like being on the East Coast, I I didn't I never knew about your company because like we don't it's in the Midwest, like no one travel. And the other part too is I I wasn't aware because in New Jersey we can't do dry needling. I hope that changes someday. Um, but I know Dr. Ashen took your course and is a very spoke very highly of it, and I hope that you know, you tell us a little bit more about what you guys do and offer and that, you know, there will be people on here who, uh, you know, people think I'm like anti-clinical. I'm like, no, 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 you don't get it. Like I believe That's in where you came so from. much. Yeah. I, yeah. I believe in it so much, but you guys, you guys are anti actually wanting to treat patients because you don't know how to communicate with them. So that's what I'm trying to help you with. So you are the one that fulfills the, I believe the clinical side of it at, a, at an unbelievably high level. So talk about what you guys actually offer to people like me or people in my audience and how can they get benefit? Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Uh, so basically like Midwest, like we, we help chiropractors and physical therapists, whether they're in private practice or they want to be in private practice someday. Um, we try to help provide the clarity that a lot of people are really searching for because there's a wealth of information, right? Like the analogy that, you know, our mentor Paul describes so frequently is that it's like information overload right now where, you know, it's like the cup is overflowing. You know, people aren't retaining a lot of the information. And so when they get in front of patients, they're kind of stuck. They're not sure what to do. And so they just kind of throw everything at the patient without really any rhyme or reason. And so our courses are specifically taught at the physician level. And so physical therapists enjoy it because they're like leveling up in their education and chiros like it because they're not, uh, they're, they're, they're learning, you know, the do's and the don'ts, so to speak, but they're also learning like expert clinical practice with with guideline adherent care, all of that stuff. But our, our classes are really relationship driven where we're kind of small batch, maybe 18 to 24 people in a class. We're not doing, you know, the 50 classes uh, size anymore. And really the the beauty of the class is the dialogue, the conversation, the debate. For example, like a gentleman this past weekend really challenged me uh, on a component of the dry needling lecture. And we just like on, on the spot, we just started discussing it from our perspectives. And the whole group, I think, appreciated that there was a disagreement, but there was also mutual respect. Like I understood where he was coming from. He understood where I was coming from. And I think the whole group uh, was lifted, so to speak, because there was like not an ego coming from me, like standing up front. And none of our teachers um, claim to have all the answers. None of our teachers, um, in, in my opinion, I'm obviously biased because I vet them, I hire them, and I hold them to the, the same standards. Um, none of them are exclusively just lecturers. Like we are all in the trenches, so to speak. And we have our views and we have our opinions on topics and we're not afraid to share them. But, um, but really if you're looking for information on how to, 
deliver on the knowledge, then typically rehab chiropractors end up in our classes because we distill all of this information down into tangible either treatment plans or exam uh, tips and tricks um, to make it very practical for your Monday morning, so to speak, Monday morning. So you guys teach dry needling. What other courses do you offer? We've got, um, well, we organize acupuncture ourselves. So we do a hundred hour musculoskeletal acupuncture course. Most states that require a hundred hours that we, we fulfill on that. And we've got um, a series, a rehab. Um, we're kind of going full circle here. We've got a rehab series that, that we call the clinical, uh, well, we call it the essential series. It's like everything you need to know um, from a basic uh, a clinical rehabilitation model, how to, how to render functional rehab, what paperwork you need, what, how to, what's motivational interviewing, what's, and then all the way into the clinical side of, of essentials of low back rehabilitation as a class where it's everything about the evidence uh, and the treatment of low back pain here in 2022. And also we have a class that's specific to the shoulder and the knee. Um, and so that's kind of on the topic side, but then we also host, um, we host third-party speakers as well. So we've had Tim Gabbett come in from Australia, who's well-known for his work on workload management. We were a long organizer for DNS, which is Dynamic Neuromuscular Stabilization. Uh, before COVID, we were the, the largest host and organizer for DNS in the world. We had over 20 classes that we would host uh, all over the United States. And, and that kind of shored up uh, uh, once COVID hit. Um, so we've got some, some specialty courses, we call them. And, uh, and so we've, we've got just some world renowned people that come in and teach classes for us. And, and really it's for the functional chiropractic or functional rehab chiropractor that wants to really become a specialist in their area of functional rehab. Good. No, I think it's awesome. And just my, you know, my two cents on it. I think I see people's eyes light up specifically with TPI when I say it was founded by a chiropractor, because I think we all want to see people Greg Rose, who are like us that have done something. And your organization is founded by you, a chiropractor who still, we didn't talk about it. You have a, a successful, highly functioning rehab practice that still runs. Like this is not theory. And I know you personally and you, we, you and I speak business wise. So people that are tuning into my stuff because they want to learn business, you know business. And so one of the things we've talked about all the time, you and I, is how to connect the dots. And so I know that in your clinical coursework where most people get stuck is, yeah, knowing how to do a dry needle, whatever is amazing. But I know that in your courses, there is another side of it to help people actually figure out how to use it. Because who cares if you know how to dry needle if no one becomes a patient? It's completely irrelevant. I'm so glad you said that because you know, that reminds me why why I speak about business inside of our classes. And that's because, you know, it's really irrelevant if you're world-class at dry needling and no one knows you, you exist. And so I kind of, I realized very early on that the conversation, or, or maybe, maybe said differently that, you know, I'm a big motivational interviewing practitioner. Like I love, I love the onboarding process of a new patient. I love getting to know them. I love asking the questions that other providers didn't think to ask or didn't know to ask. And you're just, because you, when you ask a loaded question, all they're doing is giving you additional information, right? And so what I realized early on uh, while I was learning motivational interviewing, which is a component of rehabilitation, right? Like you, you got you to gotta extract information, right? Not only does it help with your diagnosis and then therefore your treatment, 
but you really got to understand and unpack the person that's in front of you, which is kind of a knock at the mainstream medical system because it's like, you know, the, the average doctor interrupts the patient after 11 seconds. Well, in our office, we just let them freely talk. And that's you know, straight out of the motiv- motivational interviewing playbook. But what I realized very early on is that the concepts of motivational interviewing are parallel to best business practicals or best business principles. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that means, am I selling someone on dry needling? If I am, then it's a commodity, in which case the 10 people in my area, they're going to pick the cheapest. And I don't don't want to be the cheapest. I don't don't want to be the cheapest. And so by asking better questions up front, I then can charge more at the end because I'm not playing by the, the traditional game. I'm not playing by those rules. We're kind of making up our own rules as we go while at the same time still abiding by evidence-based guidelines and, and all that stuff. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm very, very interested in learning more um, on where this all goes. You know, obviously this is all changing very quickly, but you're right in that I'm trying to master, or at least I said over the week, I'm trying to marry the gap between expert business insights and strategies and expert clinical outcomes. I love it. Awesome. Uh, where can people find you and your website and, and all that jazz? Yeah, you could, you could go to nwri.co. That'll take you onto our website. You can, you can, you know, follow us. You can look at uh, all the classes we have coming up um, online. I'm, I'm just all of our uh, social media handles and stuff. I'm just at Dr. Alex Earl on Instagram or Alex Earl DC. I think I have to have the DC in there for advertising purposes. So yeah, Alex Earl DC on Instagram, Midwest Rehabilitation Institute.com. Uh, yeah. If anyone wants to reach out, they can just text me if they want. I'll give them my phone number out here. 630-765-0575. They can call or text and I'll get in touch with them. Beautiful. I love it. All right. I know you have a roster of kids to go attend to, so I don't want to keep you too long, but Alex, I appreciate this. Um, so many nuggets here. And if you're in the audience and you didn't just pick up on, you know, 10 business principles, uh, mindset principles, and you, that's on you because this was incredible. So thanks. Thanks, Justin. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you for free. One, grab a copy of my free guide, The Rehab Chiropractor's Checklist. You can get that at go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. That's go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. Two, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at Justin Rabinowitz, where I post business content. Three, subscribe to my weekly newsletter by sending me an email at coaching at strive to move.com. And four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more influential people and bring those lessons back to you.